Well, uh, good morning or evening, wherever, whatever time you're listening to this. Um, thanks for joining us for this latest episode of Guardians of the Flame and this podcast series, really series of podcasts that we've been following since we made the documentary three years ago, looking at peace building in Northern Ireland. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I interviewed Brother Thierry uh, from the Benedictine, uh, what is now an abbey just up the road from us. Um, and it's an audio interview, and it's a, it's a great interview, actually. Um, but we thought, actually, it would be nice to capture him on camera. Um, and so it's a real privilege to have Brother Thierry Marteau from the Benedictine Abbey up the road uh, here in Ross Trevor, um, the Holy Cross, Holy Cross Abbey, I suppose, is yeah. the official name. But people know them as the monks or the, you know. Um, so thank you, Brother Thierry, for joining us. Thank you for inviting me and... Thank you. I am very happy to be here. Yeah. So over the years, um, we've been to the monks many times. Um, we've taken groups and um, uh, or just gone on in on my on our own, or I've gone on my own, and um, it's always there's always deep wisdom there. And I suppose uh, in the world we live in um, right now, there is a just such a sense of. Um, uh, challenges, uh, climate change, um, COVID-19, uh, a polarized world, a divided world like never before. And how do we navigate these kind of challenging times? And I feel like a conversation with Brother Thierry um, is maybe just a way that we can tap into something more than just simple answers like public health, or uh, which are not bad to, to, to Public health is not a bad thing at all, but but instead of just looking for the physical answers, also to find something beyond just that, and to maybe maybe spiritual. So um, we'll see where we go in this conversation, um, Brother Thierry. You're a Benedictine uh, monk. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what Benedictine monks are? What what is what makes you different than than uh, other monks? Or? Um. So maybe the, the starting point is that uh, a Benedictine monk is first a, a baptized, somebody who um, belongs to Christ, who is a Christian, um, and who wants to follow Christ. Simple answer for, uh, for, a, question, for a question which is a bit uh, uh, challenging, uh, because um, I think that uh, the, the the, the intuition of Saint Benedict was uh, uh, to to reproduce what we find in the Acts of the Apostles. You know, this first community where they were living together, praying together, sharing everything. Um, that was the ideal of Saint Benedict. And so, Benedictine monks are Christians who live together, who pray together, who share everything. Um, and and uh, I think that that what is really uh, important for Saint Benedict, and, and I think what is really important for all Christians is, is to find the balance between prayer, work, and community life. Um, I think that it's it's not possible to be a Christian without belonging to a community, without praying, and without working. Um, and so, the the, the the genius of Saint Benedict maybe is to is to is to organize a life where all the elements are in balance. Where there is balance, um, and I think that that's that's a very uh, powerful message for our world today, where uh, there is a lot of imbalance. I don't know if it's the right word, but where things are not really uh, balanced, uh, and where people uh, and the world is tempted to go in in all directions, and 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 um, so I think that the message of Saint Benedict is is to, is to remind. Us and, and the world that it's important to um, to keep all the elements together and to keep them in balance. Mm. Okay, and you live a a unique kind of life. Um, uh, you know, you you wear white robes. You you live together. You pray. Um, what is the significance of a group of people doing that when the rest of the world is going on? with normal in in a more normal way what what is the point of a monastery like what yeah. 
<laughs> when you say, say normal, normal way, you mean mm -hmm. that what yeah, I'm doing yeah. is abnormal? Uh, <laughs> it's unique, maybe. <laughs> no, yeah. but I, I understand what you mean, and and it's it's. Uh, uh, no, the the, the, the uh, again, I think that the, the, maybe the, the the role of uh, the, I don't know if it's the right way to say it, but the role of monks is to remind people that there are things which are important, that community life is important that silence is important, that uh, a certain form of simplicity is important, that um, to, to, um, to take the time to pray is important, that uh, to, um, and, and we do it in a, in, a, in a way, in a radical way, but I think that it's, in a, it's, 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 it's a way to, to, to be more um, challenging for the world, and to remind others that don't forget, don't forget that in your busy life, in, your, uh, in the noise in which we li you live, it's important to find times of silence. It's important to stop sometimes and to take the time to reflect. It's important to take the time to pray. It's important to, 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 to foster communion and community life. So we don't live all these values and all these things in a perfect way but because we live them in 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 a very in a, in a radical way and in a very visible way we hope to to remind the world mm -hmm. that these values are important for life and that in order to be human to be a human being and in order to be a christian it's important mm -hmm. to again i repeat to take the time to pray to live in a community to take the time to listen, to take the time to, um, to, to, to be generous, to be simple, to be uh, available, to, to be hospitable. So that's maybe the message we, we want to, to share with the world and, and you know. What, what do you see prayer as? What does it mean to pray? For me, pr prayer is, 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 is about relationship. So it's, it's a tricky word because uh, when you say prayer, most of the time people will think, say prayers. Uh, and I think that the word prayer um, has a meaning which is uh, greater than that. Prayer is about relationship. It's being in relationship with God and it's being really in relationship with one another. And, and a relationship um, expresses itself in many ways. There are, you know, let's take the example of, of, of a couple, you know, a loving relationship. Uh, there are times of intimacy. There are times when uh, the, 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 the spouses go and work and, you know, do their stuff, you know. And so same thing with prayer. Prayer has different uh, facets and different ways to, 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 be, to express itself, you know, and... and for me to be here with you is a form of prayer because it's about relationship. It's about my relationship with God and it's my relationship with you. Mm. So uh, prayer is also when, when, when I spend 20 minutes in silence uh, meditating on the word of God. It's about when I sing the Psalms. It's about when I clean toilets. It's about when I am in the kitchen, uh, when I serve my brothers, when, when I listen to somebody. All this, all these things are prayer for me because they all say something about my relationship with God and my relationship with my brothers and sisters. Mm. And again, it's a question of balance. I could not, um, I don't think that there would be a problem uh, in my relationship with God if I was always busy without taking the time to be in silence with him every day. And it's the same thing in a couple, you know, a couple who would live together but who would never have a time of intimacy no, that would not work on the you know so again it's a question of balance prayer is is has many many facets and many many uh, is is very diverse um, but all the elements must be held together and what do you say to someone who i mean there's a growing number of people um who uh, we can talk a bit about that later, but who are kind of leaving faith traditions, um, but they're not necessarily leaving 
faith or leaving belief, but they just, even with COVID, they've maybe stopped going to church and think, oh, do I need to go back to church, you know? What do you say to people about prayer for people who maybe have stopped going to church or maybe are really struggling to really believe even in God? What, how would you pray in that sense? Is there a value in it? Hmm. Um, first, uh, and I, I think, I think that it's it's for me as a Christian. It's I I think, and maybe it's a bit too, to 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 a way to to speak which is a bit too sharp. But I think that it's not possible to be a Christian without belonging to a community. So. Um, for me, um, I think that uh, the, 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 the challenge, uh, because for, for me, from my point of view, the, many cha the challenge for many people is not first God. The, the challenge is the church, is the community. And, 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 and so I think that, that uh, it's, it's, it's a huge question, and, and, uh, but um, there are Two, let's say, in a very maybe simplistic way, there, there are two aspects. The first is that, unfortunately, in in the world today and in in, in our churches, there is uh, uh, um, individualism is very present. And so, uh, in in in, a, in an individualistic society, uh, I don't need others, you know. Uh, it's it's me first, okay? So, to speak about community and church, it's a bit complicated in this context. I can have my personal relationship with God, and it's okay. I don't care about you around, you know. Um, so there is this aspect, um, but there is also uh, the, aspect, the, the the question of you know the fact that uh, unfortunately. Uh, my church and I think all the churches uh, today uh, have a huge problem about really connecting with people where they are. <laughs> you know, uh, we 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 are tempted to 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 you know if I had to to, to write the story of Emmaus, or if I had to write the 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 the, uh, the first chapters of you know of the nativity in in Matthew or Luke, you know, and. Um, I would not imagine God coming down, or I would not imagine Jesus walking the whole way with the two disciples. <laughs> but that's the challenge, you know. Uh, Jesus meets the two disciples where they are. He is not at the end waiting for them. And same thing with God in the incarnation, he comes down to us. So I think that the problem of the church today is to be where the people are and to speak to them a language they understand and which connects with their lives. <laughs> so, you know, for many people and particularly many young people, you know, they don't feel that, you know, you don't have, you have nothing relevant to say to me. So why bother, you know? So I think that there is the problem of the individualism and, and, and in society and in the churches, but there is also on the side of the churches the problem that we have to, to, to change something in the way we relate to the world and to the, to the, to the people around us. <laughs> so about your question, you know, meeting people, you know, people who are leaving the church and how I think that from my point of view, there is no point talking about God and about, you know, the, the, the theology or whatever. It's important. But I mean, in this context, I think that the first thing is to go to them and to listen to them. You know, to do what Jesus did with all the, in the parables, in, in, in the Gospels, you know. You know, the good Samaritan goes down to the guy who is on the floor, on the ground, you know. And that's what the church, and that's, I think, what we have to do. Mm -hmm. And why do you think people are leaving churches today, or even leaving sometimes belief? Um... I think that... We, we, I, I think that's what I said, you know, I think that from, I, 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 I have been blessed to, to listen to many young people 
Uh, and, and, and most of them, th their first reaction is to say to me, uh, what can you say about my life? How can you, how, is it possible for you to understand where I am and what I'm, I am doing? You know, the other day I had a mother who came to see me. She has a son who is 20 and, and who is going through a difficult time. And uh, the mother said to her son, oh, uh, I'm going to talk to, to brother Thierry because I need to, 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 to process some stuff. And he said, oh, uh, what is he able to say? You know, uh, where are, you know, and the, the, the son was completely, you know, it's a waste of time. You know, this guy in his monastery will not be able to, to understand where you come from and what you, what you live, you know. Um, and I think that's the main problem from my point of view, is that we, we, we speak in, in, the, in the churches, we speak a lot about many things, but very often I don't have the feeling that we speak about the real stuff and about what people really need to hear. And, 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 uh, but first we don't listen to them. So, you know, I think that, that we have to listen to them. We have to speak a language which, which is understandable and which connects with their real lives. Mm. Yeah. You know, when, you, when young people go to church and, 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 and you know, uh, father told me the story recently, it was, I don't know when was the, 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 the referendum on abortion in, in the Republic, you know, but at that time, uh, they, they are in Belfast, but the, the, the priest felt that he had the duty to, to preach. And for four or five Sundays, he preached against abortion every Sunday. You know, it was just the, the and the father was with his teenager uh, children and at the end they were completely fed up. You know, they thought, but okay, that's fine, but, you know, and so, okay, you know, this priest was, was free and, 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 you know, and, and uh, to, to speak against abortion and to, to express his views. Um, but I mean, first you listen to somebody who went through it. And, and then you journey with, with the people and you explain and you, and you dialogue and you, even if at the end you say, I am against abortion because my convictions, my beliefs, my, you know, uh, my faith or whatever. But I mean, you begin by listening, you begin by, by trying to meet the people where they are rather than beginning by, you know, going down uh, with a hammer. <laughs> that's the meaning of your last name. <laughs> yeah, that's my Mato. name. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and so St. Benedict is, is the founder, of, obviously, of, of your uh, order. Um, if you imagine St. Benedict walking into Ireland or into the 21st century, um, what would he do? Would, I guess you're trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that... We, we have to be, uh, from a historical point of view, we have to be careful because we may feel that at the moment the situation is, is uh, uh, and it's what you said at the beginning, you know, beginning, you, you spoke about you know, this unique time of polarization and, you know, and it's true that it's, it's, it's a very difficult time at the moment. But when we look at, at, at the history of the world and, and history of Christianity and, and, and particularly our Western Europe, uh, European countries, you know, um, Saint Benedict was, uh, you know, lived at a time of very, very, very deep crisis. It was complete mess. You know, it was decadence. It was he went to Rome and he was, uh, uh, you know, appalled by the decadence of, of faith and, and the people there. And so he went into his, his cave and he decided to leave his Christianity on his own, you know, and he did not work and people came, you know, but. I mean, it's, it was, Benedict felt that uh, we have to go back to what is essential. And so essential for him was community life, prayer, work. <laughs> and so that's what he did. And I think that, and, and it happened regularly in, in the history of the church, you know, and, and uh, you know, People, men and women, who felt you know it's 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 a complete mess. So we have to go back to what is essential. I suppose that's what the, the reformers wanted to do. In their own way, 
Uh, it's why St. Francis wanted to do, it's why St. Dominic wanted to do. It's doing, you know, um, in a way, it's what Mother Teresa wanted to do in India. It's a complete mess. Let's do something new and let's do something which is uh, concrete and real. It's what men and women have done for centuries now in, 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 in the church, you know. And let's go back to what is really essential. And, and uh, first, you know, first thing, you know, let's stop fighting about things which are not essential. Let's stop, you know, wasting time and energy uh, on things which are really, really not essential. That's good. <clears throat> One of the things that um, marks your community and um, your order and and uh, just if if anyone goes and spends a retreat at the monastery is the silence is silence and um, <clears throat> can you tell us about I mean I'm always struck by and I'm not the most extroverted guy but even I go to the monastery I'm like wow it's quiet here you know <laughs> like and it it does make you confront. I mean, it makes me feel like I'm the most talkative person in the world when I go there, and I'm not. Um, but what does silence have to say to us in the world today? Um, it's, it's, um, I think that, that the, the, the problem with silence is that um, it's, it's, it's a means, it's a tool. Okay, it's not the end. We are not made for silence. We are made for relationship, for communion. Uh, that's what creation is about, you know. Uh, and, and, and that's what the history of, 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 you know, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it's God wanting to be in relationship with us. And us always trying to escape, you know, and to go elsewhere and to hide like Adam and Eve. Uh, but... So, silence is a tool, and, and the goal is to be in relationship with God, with others, and with oneself. The, the, and, and it's difficult for us to be in relationship with God. It's difficult for us to be in relationship with others, and it's difficult for us to be in relationship with ourselves. We prefer to escape. So it's why we create so much noise. We keep ourselves busy, always doing stuff, always music and singing and, and, and noise and around us. It's because we are afraid to be in a true relationship with God. We are afraid to be in, really in true relationship with others. And we are afraid to be in a true relationship with ourselves. And it's why when people come to the, to the Abbey, you know, they, suddenly the silence is, is a shock, you know, because suddenly, they, you know, inside, when you go, in silence, you know, suddenly things come up within about who I am, how do I relate to God, how do I relate to others. And it's why silence is, is, a, is a bit, uh, uh, people are afraid. If you, if you want a biblical image, I think that silence is like the desert in the Bible. It's the place of meeting with God. It's the place where the people receive this identity. It's the place where uh, very important things happen for the covenant between God and his people. But it's also the place of temptation. It's the place of truth. And it's why we are afraid of silence. Because it's a place, when you are in the desert, you know you can't lie. You have to go to what is really essential. <laughs> and same thing with silence. When you, are, when you enter in true, a, true a true silence, uh, which is for relationship, then you realize that, oh, there are things I don't want to deal with. There are things I don't want to look at. <laughs> and it's why silence is difficult. But I think that, you know, the, 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 why so many people today are, 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 are tired, exhausted, overburdened, um, stressed, uh, um, you know, it's because there is never for them or rarely for them the opportunity just to stop and to reconnect with, with themselves, with others and with God in a real way. It's as if, you know, and we are all tempted to do it, you know, it's as if they were and we were always living at the surface, you know, and not going deeper 
and connecting to what, with what is really life-giving, really important for me. So that's why I think silence is absolutely necessary, not as an end, but as a tool for us to go deeper and to really reconnect with true life in God, with others and with ourselves. And how can someone in their own life kind of um, cultivate silence more or a, a, a habit of silence and also of prayer how can it feels like sometimes uh, in the modern world we are we have so many screens devices wi-fi perpetually around us feeding us information or notifications or text messages that you know and it's very hard maybe more hard it feels than than maybe ever before to, to actually be in silence how, how can we do you have any kind of recommendations uh, or, you know how to cultivate prayer and how to cultivate kind of silence in, in the world i would say there are two simple things there may be more but let's 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 speak about two two simple things the first one is stop you need to stop you need to just sit and stop doing stuff it's the first step is presence I want to be present. I want to be yeah, present to God, present to others, and present to myself. So I have to stop. As far as it is possible, stop talking, stop doing, stop even thinking, but with steps. But that's the first thing, to stop. And the second thing, the second advice is begin small. Because I have some people who come to, to the Abbey and who speak and, uh, with me and, and they say, oh, I would like to have one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening, you know, uh, prayer. And, and, but they have a family life, they have children, they have work, they have... And I say, you can't do it. And, and you are not a monk, so please stop. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, I think that it's very important to begin small. And I think that it's possible to find, to begin with, the most important thing is not that at the, at the beginning, the first important thing and the most difficult thing is not the time you give. The most difficult thing will be to do it regularly. And so begin small, just five, ten minutes a day where you really stop. And these ten minutes you give them to God and, you, and it's, you know, in silence and, in, and, in, and with biblical reading, but be careful because... Uh, for Protestants, it may become just a, a Bible study, and that's not the point. Uh, uh, but just take the time to be with yourself, with God, in silence. Just five, ten minutes where you reconnect with what's happening within you, because God is within you. He's waiting for you within you. So just five, ten minutes. And the most difficult thing will, be the, will not be the, whether it is five or ten minutes, the most difficult thing will be to do it every day. Because <laughs> the following day there will be something else and there will, you know. But I think that there is no other way. It's a question of discipline. It's a question of, 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 of fidelity. Uh, you know, uh, if you love somebody, you, you give the time to this person. You give time to this person. And that's what we are supposed to do in prayer. So I think that the first thing is stop. And the second thing is, begin small, and be faithful to this small. Because if you if you if you plan to have thirty minutes and you won't have it, then there will be guilt, there will be shame, there will be a sense of failure, there will be so it's a waste of time and and guilt and just so begin small, but be faithful to it. Mm. Thank you. There's a lot there. I think that um, we could. I mean, it's very simple. I mean, it's it's not rocket science. I mean, <laughs> no. it, it's. <laughs> and and I'm struck by how many different faith traditions would say something very similar, you know, or very many Christian denominations. You almost could sound quite brethren there, you know, oh, like, yeah. uh, or um, the Presbyterians, you know, <laughs> probably like that too, you know. Um, uh, I want to just kind of come to this reality of the world we live in right now. Um, we touched on it a little bit before. Um, we live, it feels like, in my lifetime, a quite a uniquely polarized time in life. Um, obviously, um, 
you know, the kind of America often dominates our screens. Their recent president tended to kind of turn up a lot and tended to kind of very much divide opinion. Um, and then COVID-19 has come and, and, and then you almost get this kind of, I mean, most people in this country where I live in Ireland, in the UK, um, we, most people take vaccinations. It's fine. And, you know, it's not, but in other places, it's kind of tearing society apart. You know, we don't believe in this and conspiracy theories and real polar, you know, people moving to the fringes, uh, um, what how do we kind of live in this polarized world in a way that doesn't just kind of say we want to be right in the middle uh, and kind of create sometimes maybe a false equivalence because uh, sometimes actually there is more truth in certain edges you know saint francis wasn't a middle middle ground guy saint benedict wasn't how do we be prophetic but also be a peace builder in a, in a world of increasing polarization and division I think that the first, um, for me, the, the, the first, how could I say that? Our way, I think, as Christians, our way to be prophetic in the world today, I think, is to be careful about words. Words matter. It's, it's, it's I am always... Uh, uh, and in a way it's good, I am always surprised and, 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 and shocked by um, how uh, some people talk. So-called Christian people, Christian people, how they talk, the words they use, the, it's, it's just for me, wow, <laughs> it's beyond my understanding. Words matter. We have to be very careful about the words we use, the way we speak. Uh, you know, it's it's so. That's for me. The, the as Christians, I think we should be, and we, you know, because we believe that God, you know, took flesh and became a word, the word. In in in, in you know, we should be very very careful about words. That's for me the first thing. Uh, we have huge responsibility on, in this area. I just saw a few days ago on Twitter, uh, somebody, and, and well, I have to say it, a Catholic priest, uh, who, who, who was speaking in terms which were so unchristian. I felt really hurt. That's just unacceptable. And so that's the first thing, the, the words. The, the, the second thing is that all this polarization, all this, uh, the extremes and all these things, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's rooted in, in fears. People are afraid. Afraid of many things, uh, partly because all the great institutions uh, uh, have lost complete, you know, credibility. So in the past, these institutions were uh, ground, people were secure, and that was clear, you know, now it's no longer the case, so people f feel completely lost. And, and, and so all this movement of polarization and, and extremes is, is for me rooted in deep fears in people. So when people, somebody is afraid, uh, the first thing to do is not to shout at him, not to, you know, to, to, to be aggressive or to be, um, I think that, and, and I come back to St. Benedict, who's in his rule, the first word is listen. So I think that we should listen to the fears of these people, to what they have to say. We doesn't mean that we doesn't mean that we have, I don't mean that we have to agree with them, okay? But we have to meet them where they are. And, you know, to speak the truth, how we see it and how we, we, but, but to, to first to meet them where they are and to, to, yeah, and, and to, to, to journey with them. I think that to ignore them or to reject them won't solve the problem. You know, it's like a child, you know, if, if you, if the child is, is sick or has a, 
problem or is something wrong uh, if if he cries if you don't listen to him if you don't do something he will cry he will cry louder okay so it's the same thing you know people are afraid uh, and and so i think that the we have to listen to them we have to journey with them and we and we and from that point of view you know I come back, you know, we have huge responsibility the way we speak and what we say. People, uh, you know, there are unfortunately many people in our churches and in society who by their words are, are, are feeding the fears of the people, you know. They are just f encouraging them to remain and to, you know, to uh, in, in their fears, you know, and, and to, to, so we have to, 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 to reassure, to help people to realize that things are, are, are maybe difficult and maybe complicated and, and challenging. But yeah, we will, we, will, we will deal with that. We will journey together and we will go somewhere. You know, we will move on. You know, we, we, as Christians, we, we, we have to proclaim a message of hope. And, and, and you know, and, and God has a plan for us. You know, so there is no... Uh, yes, we, we may be afraid, but if if we put our trust in God, th th there is no need to 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 become aggressive and to become because fear. The problem with fear is that our fears generally either they make us completely passive, uh, stuck in the mud, uh, you know, and and or they make us angry. So. We have to, to, so yeah, that, first we have a responsibility about the words we use and then we have to listen to people and to help them to realize that there is, there is a way forward. Mm. Mm. It's interesting, we're, we're here, um, a few years ago I asked an artist to paint a picture um, and um, uh, it was Lee uh, Wilson um, from America and she was visiting and she painted this picture of Charlotte. He's a friend of ours. Um, uh, I had asked, could she paint a, a, a mural that um, represented reconciliation to her? And and I was maybe expecting two people hugging each other, you know. And she came with this photo she had taken of, of Charlotte with a rose in her ear and said, maybe the ability to listen is an important part of reconciliation. So that's what I hear you saying. Yes. To be careful yeah. what we say, but also to make sure we're listening well yeah. that our we have this kind of rose in our ears. Um, yeah. yeah, I've heard people say you, we often listen to to respond rather than listen to understand. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's yeah. right. Yes, and that's certainly the way of the social media is yeah. that we see what people write and then format a yeah. response. Yeah. Um, can you just tell us a little bit um, about the the monks uh, uh, coming here? Um, I think I covered that a little bit in our first interview, but for people who have not heard, um, why did you come? Why did Father Mark and and the, the brothers? Why did you come to Ireland? Um, what was the context you were coming into back then? Uh, the context was um, that. Uh, we were sent uh, to Northern Ireland um, in order to, to, to create a space where Catholics and Protestants may meet and may pray together. We really uh, came here with a desire to, to, to journey with the people, and the, all the people of Northern Ireland, uh, because uh, we, we believed and we believe that uh, the witness of, of, of a community of men uh, journeying together and working together in order to create a community and to, to, to be in communion with one another and coming from different backgrounds. You know, at the moment in the community, there is a man from Belfast, a man from Mexico, uh, four men from France, one man from the States and one man from the Philippines. So, you know, and, and, and we are different. We have different backgrounds and stories. And we, we learn and we, we work at being a community. And so we, 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 and we pray together and, and, we, 
and and we we came here in a, hoping that our witness um, will speak to 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 the people of Northern Ireland, and 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 really it it you know God has been good, very very good because it it worked, you know we 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 are very uh, blessed uh, by by all our Protestant brothers and sisters who since 2004 and in fact it, since two, oh my goodness me since 1998 because we arrived in 1998 and the monastery was inaugurated in 2004 um, all our brothers and sisters from the protestant churches who journey with us and who really really uh, help us to 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 work and pray for peace and reconciliation here in northern ireland it's um i i think the You've been a really amazing uh, witness over the years. Um, and what is amazing about uh, the Abbey is that you have, well, not so much during COVID, but normally there's every day you have people coming, buses coming, people coming, individuals for retreat. And what is amazing is that something like half of the people almost that come from a Protestant background. Why do you think Protestants want to go and listen to <laughs> Catholic monks? Um, <laughs> why Protestants come to Rostrevel <laughs> to, to the Abbey? Um, I think that, that that's because we, we the, the monastic life predates the, the Reformation and, and is really rooted in scriptures. You know, we, we 95% of, of our times of prayer uh, and, and uh, 100% of our times of prayer during the day are, are just the Bible. Sung, listened to, meditated upon, you know. It just, uh, so for, for, for our Protestant brothers and sisters, it's, it's just, uh, uh, they feel at home in, in our services. You know, it's for them, it's, it's really, uh, uh, it's a really beautiful experience to realize that they can pray with us, you know, and we can pray together. Um, and, 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 you know, we are Benedictine monks uh, and we are from different countries. So we are not from Northern Ireland. So we don't carry, except Father Marquis from Belfast, but uh, he has been many, many years in France. So he has been changed <laughs> from that point of view. Uh, but uh, so we are not from Northern Ireland. So we don't carry the whole weight of the story of Northern Ireland. So, uh, for, for for some Protestant people who come to to the Abbey, you know, they they may find that we are a bit strange, but oh, it's because they are French, you know. <laughs> they, so it's it's um, it's most of our Protestant brothers and sisters feel free with us because we don't we are not completely identified with the the story and the and the and the um, of the Catholic Church in Ireland. And so that, that, that was certainly a, a very important factor in, 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 in the fact that many came to us. Um, and and we, from the beginning, we have been very, very clear that we are here to pray for them and with them. And, and, and we name all the Protestant leaders and all the Protestant ministers and we, and we in our prayers. And, and, we, and, and I think that many, many were very touched and very... Uh, impressed by that. Um, one of I, I, one of the the real realities of, of the kind of spiritual landscape um, uh, or church landscape of Ireland and of many countries is um, is what I referred to earlier as people leaving the church and I think there's many reasons, um, but it's there's no doubt that the Catholic Church has been rocked in the last two, three decades by scandals, um, child abuse scandals, and also by, you know, recently uh, mother and baby homes, bodies of babies found buried in kind of what's almost like mass graves. Um, and yet the church has also done such good, but there's been some real harm. How, I guess, I, I, partly I want to know how do you respond to that as a Catholic priest, but then how do how do maybe we as people of faith or myself as a person of faith, how do we kind of 
position ourselves in the world in, in light of those events. So it's it's a very it's a very sad uh, um, you know all these scandals and and all these uh, uh, you know are are really hurtful and painful and 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 uh, it's it's very difficult okay it's it's, it's really uh, and 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 as 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 a as a catholic and as a monk and as a priest it's it's very difficult for me to 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 journey with this baggage you know uh the the the, the and it's difficult to say that, but I'm going to say it. The good thing is that if it helps the Catholic Church to be a humbler church, um, a truer church, so that's good. And I think that's the 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 the, the lesson for us as in, for the Catholic Church in Ireland and all over the world, is 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 to be more real, more tr- more. Yeah, the the word which is, seems important for me is humble. Is we have to be humble and to be and to to you know. This whole things, whole thing about the the sexual abusers, you know, it's it's you know we have to uh, really ask ourselves the real questions about the way we speak about sexuality, the way we speak about uh, um, celibacy, the way, and and it, and and I mean, I I I, I <laughs> as a monk, I will remain single. You know, I, I, it's, it's not for me. I'm going, not going to fight for the, uh, the, the, the marriage of, of, of monks. You know, it's, that's not my point. Um, but we have to speak about it in a, a more real way. <laughs> in a more, you know, um, the, the, the big, nice and pious and, and, and ideas, you know, about, you know, celibacy and sexuality. It's okay. It sounds nice. But... Um, it doesn't help people. I just said recently to, to a priest who we were talking about that, and, and I said to him, to him, maybe our greatest mistake as, as preachers is when we give the impression that uh, sexuality is, is not a problem. <laughs> it is. It is challenging. It is difficult. It is it is complicated. It is you know when we when we have nice discourse a nice discourse on sexuality where there is no hint or no place for failures mistakes you know it's 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 a lie it's it's and and in a concrete way in my life in you know it's difficult and in the church for too long we we have you know. We, we, we have spoken about sexuality and celibacy as if it was easy and no problem and, and you know, it's, it's the best and it's, you know, no. We don't help people. So, if all these scandals help us to become humbler and more real, mm. that's... And it seems Pope Francis has tried to embody that. Um, as a Protestant, I've always found him quite an inspirational figure. I remember um, bumping into a guy a few years ago and he had seen a couple of posts I had put up on social media about Pope Francis and he said, you know, I'm an atheist, you know, and we had never talked about religion or anything before. He said, I'm an atheist, but you like same uh, Pope Francis? And I said, yeah, I like him. He goes, I, I like him too, you know. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. This is a a very convinced atheist, no time for religion, but somehow sees in Pope Francis something that is quite captivating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there anything particularly you see about Pope Francis that you think is maybe gives us a, a guide to the future, whatever faith we're from? The funny story is that recently there was a Presbyterian in the in, in our retreat in, on retreat with us, and. Um, 
he was he was uh, seated in the lounge and he was reading an encyclical from Pope Francis and 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 I just saw him reading that you know and I said uh, is it okay he said oh yeah yeah and he was completely you know <laughs> uh, passionate about it you know and about Pope Francis and I thought wow it's good a good Northern Irish Presbyterian <laughs> 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 I thought it was good but I think that that the, 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 the what what I think is 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 uh, is important for Pope Francis, and I think what is is important for the Church, and 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 for the Catholic Church is that um, is to he is a man of dialogue. He is a man of dialogue, and 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 I think that's what is absolutely necessary for us today. You know, to dialogue, to and uh, you know, dialogue not as the nice uh, chat around a cup of tea you know or as the debate on tv uh, where people shout at one another and they don't listen to one another but the, the dialogue where as i said earlier you know we meet people where they are and we try to to understand and to listen and to welcome and to respect and to discern christ in the other and i think that's what pope francis is trying to do is is really to 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 lead the Catholic Church in dialogue with the world and with others, you know, and, and in a, um, it's challenging because we have to, 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 to remain faithful to what we believe. And at the same time, same time, we have to, to really listen and respect others. I think that that's the main thing with Pope Francis. It's his sense of dialogue and, 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 He's a man of the. It's very interesting because you see it very clearly uh, when you look at some things on. You know, when he has to give a talk to a group of people, he he, he can be very. But very often he's not. It's not his best. He's at his best when he leaves the paper and he speaks to the people. You know, when you read the paper. You feel that some it's okay, but he needs the, the he, he needs to add something or to sternly stop the paper and to to look at the people and to speak to them, and that's I think the the, the, the a key element for for Pope Francis. Mm. Yeah, it's it's lovely. I um maybe we I could kind of begin to close this interview. I I just was struck by this issue of. Uh, the environment, the world, creation, climate, and maybe uh, I know you're not an expert climatologist, or uh, you know, <laughs> but it, uh, and even yesterday we were recorded an interview um, in the monastery in your monastery with Padrigin uh, Niulagan, and she, um, you know, she she referenced um, just how sometimes she would have grown up with a sense that. Even from faith, that that the, that we the the world was was created for our benefit. I think she quoted from the Catholic Catechism. You know, the the creation is for our for man to enjoy. You know, and and even if we read Genesis, you could say God gave dominion to Adam. He said, "Subdue the earth." You know, these these words are very much almost sound like this divine mandate to to plunder the earth's resources and to dominate um, and Padrigin was talking about maybe we need to have more of a sense of relationship with the earth instead of domination over and and yet I don't think what she was saying is is anti-biblical in, in many ways I, th I think it's a much purer understanding than that than that coarse kind of domination theology that that is often taught in one certain areas of the church what do you have to say you know from a theological a monk's perspective about the world the environment creation and of course the crisis we're in how do we respond um i don't know if you like Aretha franklin but uh, there is the, this film at the moment i've not seen it but i saw the uh, and and the title is respect Yes, and it's about yeah. the famous song, you know, uh, E S P E C T, yeah. you know, and 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 I think that um, uh, it's a question of respect, and but I think that it's 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 part of of what Christianity is about. If you don't respect the world, if you don't respect nature, 
which is a gift from God, how can you respect others who are also a gift from God? You know, and if you don't respect others, you are not going to respect the world and the nature, you know, and nature, you know. It's a question of, of, of seeing things in, in a bigger perspective than just, you know, my perspective, you know. Because if you begin, if, if, if you follow the, the, the thread to the end, we go back to what I said earlier about individualism. It's just about me. And in the, I abuse others, I use others, and I use the planet, and I use, you know, and I use everything, you know. Everything is for my, my sake and for my pleasure and my need, you know. And, and, and I think that it's why I think it's, 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 it's really uh, normal. It's really, it's, 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 it's a bit late, but it's never too late uh, for, for, the, for Pope Francis and for Patriarch Atenagora, uh, Bartholomew, sorry, uh, Bartholomew, and for all the, the Christian leaders at the moment to, to say we have to do something for our planet. We have to do something for, for creation because it is a gift of God and we have to respect it. And in a way, if we don't respect it, we do not respect one another. And so, for me, it's part of, of, of a bigger, uh, yeah, bigger picture of, 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 of respect for all that is given from, by God to us. And, 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 and yeah, that, that's... You, I kind of notice in a lot of your answers, you, you come back to relationship and relationship with God, with others and with ourself and with our planet, with creation. Um, uh, it does seem to be, uh, maybe it's a, it's a central part of Christian faith, but it's certainly a central part of your makeup is this sense of we are made for each other, we're made for relationship. Um, yeah, where, where did you find, where did that come from? My goodness me, yeah. it's the great commandment. When Jesus yeah. is asked what is the great commandment, he, he says, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So there are three to be loved, God, the neighbor, and ourselves. And the amount of love we have for ourselves is the amount of love we have for our neighbor. So, I mean, it's it's... And I just read a few days ago a quotation from a very famous uh, Orthodox theologian, John Zizulas, Bishop John Zizulas. And he says, I, I don't remember exactly, but the point is, he says, the only way to be is to be in communion. And he says it's true even for God. God exists is because there are three in communion. And so he says, we are human, as human beings, we are only if we are in communion. The, 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 the possibility to be is linked to the need to be in communion. You cannot be if you are not in communion. And I found that very, very uh, powerful. Because it's true for God, so it's true for me. <laughs> I cannot be if I am not in communion. Well, I think that's a, a good way to end. Um, I had a couple more questions up my <laughs> sleeve, but I think uh, actually that's a good way to end. Um, Brother Thierry, thanks for um, yeah your, your faithfulness and your life and your witness, and you've inspired me and many others over the years. So thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, Jenny. Thank yeah. you. And we, if, you, if people want to find... Uh, about the monks, uh, what are you, benedictinemonks.co.uk uh, 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 uk, and you have a Twitter and Facebook, and Facebook Benedictine Monks in Russ Trevor. Um, you can see the, often the text of homilies, uh, the homily of the day. Or, um, so thank you for, for your time. Thank you for inviting me. Thank Merci you. beaucoup. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm.